another musical hero, Mr. Gurf Morlix, DaleWileyShow.com. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I've had the best pandemic ever. I had strokes last fall, and that's what led me to start this podcast, and I'm having the best time I could have. Well, good. So, what I'd like to ask is, what kind of music do you play? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, when I get asked this, um, I kind of have to right. say that... <laughs> The, the music, the music I play is sort of a distillation of everything I've ever heard and loved. Okay. And so, you know, I like the songwriting thing, but um, I, you know, it's it's the British invasion, it's the it's the blues, it's country music, it's folk music, um, it's everything I've ever heard that I love. Hopefully, mixed down into what I am. Yes. Well, and so. I mean, what was it that first attracted you to music? Oh man, I uh, I just I remember hearing music when I was a little tiny kid. We had the radio playing uh, right. at breakfast and dinner, and uh, I remember hearing uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford singing "16 Tons." I'm going, right. "Wow, what's that?" Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I, you know, I saw Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show. And right. I went, oh man, I want to, I want one of those things, the guitar. Right. And then, you know, when I was twelve, the Beatles played on the Ed Sullivan Show, and then it was all over. That's what I was going to be. <laughs> this was in the musical hotbed of Buffalo, is that right? Yeah, of suburbs of Buffalo, just a little bit south of the city. Okay. Uh, not exactly a hotbed, but uh, actually, <laughs> Buffalo, Buffalo had good radio back then in the fifties and sixties. That was, it okay. was a radio town. Tell me about that. What did that mean? Well, um, you know, like a hundred years ago, Buffalo was bigger than Chicago or something like that. Right. Maybe um, Buffalo was the queen city of the Great Lakes, and right. and there were good radio stations there. And uh, a disc jockey job uh, where you were going to Buffalo that was a good market. There was a lot of right. listeners, and. That was a that was a, a coveted position to be on the air in Buffalo, uh, and so they had great R and B and blues radio. There was a guy named George the Hound Lorenz who had a a, right. a, a blues show, and he he was playing Jimmy Reed and just just the greatest blues and R and B stuff. Uh, and then you know in the when the British invasion hit, it was all over the radio, and and you know you could turn on the radio and hear somebody loved by the Jefferson airplane like five, six right. times in a row. You know, they, <laughs> it was the, the world was just lit up. It was on fire after the Beatles right. happened. Well, and so you got out of there quickly and moved to Texas. Is that right? Yeah. I started playing right. You know, we all started bands the next day in school after seeing the Beatles. <laughs> um, and, and in, I, you know, I pestered my parents for a guitar, and they they got me one, and and I just started working on it. And you know, by '65 or '6, I was in a band, I guess, um, and trying to, you know, I was in high school, junior high and high school, but uh, I was being paid for playing shows, you know, and, right? And it was great. And so then, when I got out of graduated high school, I went to college for 
one year and then a little bit of the next one, and then I just quit because I realized I was just wasting money. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to be a musician. And right. So so then I started playing music for a living, and then I found country music. Uh, I I discovered Hank Williams, and oh, yeah. through that through that I discovered Lefty Frizzell and Merle Haggard and George Jones and. Right, all of that great stuff, and so then, yeah. and I started playing the pedal steel guitar. So I wanted to play country music and rock and roll. Okay. And I couldn't find people in Buffalo that wanted to do that. There was, you know, there might have been a handful, but uh, it wasn't a very common thing. And then I right. asked around, and a, a friend of mine uh, said, um, Commander Cody told him Austin was the place to go <laughs> for that. And so yeah. we just loaded up his station wagon and just drove down to Austin unannounced and, and it was early 1975 and the town was on fire with music. It was, it was perfect timing and right. went to the Armadillo world headquarters the night that I got in town and, and within a couple of weeks I was in a band and I was making good money and rent was cheap and life was good, you know? Wow. That's a good time to think about. And so Coming up, Blaze Foley, how did he come up? I met him in Austin uh, maybe in 1976, and uh-huh. we just kind of hit it off. He, uh, he he came up to me at a gig in between songs. I was on stage, and he had this guitar <laughs> in a case that he wanted to show me. And really? actually, he he wanted to sell it to me, um, but <laughs> I said, you know, I'm in the middle of a set. You know, can we just talk on a break? And, and then we talked on the break and I found out that I liked him. He was smart and funny and, and, and then he said he wrote songs and he had a gig coming up. It was his first ever gig in Austin. And would I, would I come to it and would I bring some people? And I I said, well, I'll see, where's your gig? And it was, it was a happy hour in a disco in 1977, you know? And, and, uh, and so I went to it and I was just flabbergasted by how, good his songs were and what a unique performer he was and and we just kind of hit it off and then blaze uh was homeless by choice wow um, not by circumstance but homeless by choice which still means you know like sometimes you're going to be sleeping out in the rain or whatever right. and and he was willing to do that for his art he thought that was wow. part of it and uh and so he thought that me having a home and him not having one was just this perfect coincidence, and he started living <laughs> on my couch. Really? And he, and he, yeah, so he lived on my couch off and on for years. And then we started playing gigs together, and uh, we ended up um, going down to Houston. He knew some people down there, and I had gotten an offer of some gigs down there. And so we went down there together, and he started performing as Blaze Foley in, uh, in a serious way, and I got him gigs in these clubs and uh, in this great music scene in in, in Houston in 1977 right. I guess it was 78 maybe uh-huh. uh, and and it just went well for a few years and then Blaze he met Towns Van Zandt and uh, everybody that meets Towns kind of tends to idolize him and, and Towns was uh, um, a pretty bad drunk sometimes Right. Uh, and and also one of the best songwriters ever. Yeah. Uh, exactly. and, and, but it was it was romantic. It was uh it, it was 
the drunken poet type thing and Glaze latched onto it for all it was worth and he tried to become that like everybody that met Towns kind of did right and and he started binge drinking and uh started it just was getting worse and worse and he was blown off gigs because he was he'd rather stay drunk somewhere than, than try to take a ride from somebody and wow. and finally I just I got tired and I just left and I, I moved to Los Angeles right you also picked up a good band out there. So tell me about Lucinda. Uh, who? Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I met her out there, and uh, she was putting a band together, and I kind of joined up, and uh, we were playing these gigs around Hollywood, and, and the band was really good, and we were making like eight bucks a night or something for the whole band, you know. <laughs> and uh, And I was actually looking for a way to quit and let her down easy and then she called up one day and said i got offered a record deal who can we get to produce I said, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll produce it and so so that happened and that was the that album of hers that came out on the rough trade label called lucinda williams and, uh-huh. um, and then i started getting more production work from that and and <laughs> we started touring and and everything was fine for a while except that she wasn't a happy person a lot of the time and was causing damage to people and being unaware of it and and after i did that for 11 years um being her band leader and producer and and lead guitar player and and uh and confidant and all of that and then i got to the point where i just um realized I didn't need that kind of um uh drama in my life. It was <laughs> it's like you can make really good music with people and feel good all the time, not half yeah. the time. Uh <laughs> so I I bailed on that. Well, you know, at that time that was the time that that my friend Dwayne Jarvis got in with her too, is that right? right? Yeah. BJ. A yeah. fine young man he was. He sure was. He was on my label, Sleuthwood Records. Oh, yeah. I remember those records, and I remember that label. Exactly. Well, it was was an amazing band, and uh, when uh, Donald Lindley was the drummer, and he was so great, and John Shambodi on bass, and uh, and that band was just plain fierce. And when that band was on, which was – most of the time when we played, we were there wasn't a better band anywhere in America that night, you know. Right. That was that was as good as you could find. More with Gurf after a minute. DaleWileyShow.com. Do you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri? Dallas Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave Alvin, Robbie Folks, The Skeletons, The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nelly, Lou Whitney, Symptoms Morel, In City, Jeff City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buckle of the Bible Belt, the Studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID 19. 
Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. More with Girth, DaleWileyShow.com. Well, so then you moved back to Austin at some point. Is that right? Yeah, I uh, I was I was working with Lucinda. I, I was uh, we were flying out on weekends and you know being well paid for um, for the work we were doing. And I decided I didn't need to live in Los Angeles anymore. I could live in in Austin again, which I just loved. And L.A. was just it was great, and it was a good move that I went there. But it, it's L.A. is a means to an end. You know, everybody's looking for something there. Yes. And I found what I was looking for there, and then it got to the point where I didn't need that anymore. So I moved back to Austin in uh, 1991. And then I kept playing with Lucinda until I couldn't take it no more, and I, I think I quit <laughs> in in '96. And you're still in Austin, then? Is that right? Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. It's a boom town, and it's it's not what it was. Certainly not what it was when I moved here in early '75. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's still great, and the music and arts community is what keeps me here. And it's amazing people, and uh, and it's you know, I mean, it's just growing like crazy. And I don't really like that, and the traffic, and the the prices and all of that, but uh, that's that's what you get when you live in a really nice place. I think I think everywhere that's really nice is booming these days because there's because <laughs> there's so many people being born and looking for places well, to that, live. And also, how has this been during the pandemic? Say that again. How has this been during the pandemic to be a musician? Oh, it's challenging. Uh, you know, I'm. 69 years old um, wow. uh, and I had a heart attack a few years back and, and I'm compromised health wise and I don't want to get it. Right. Uh, I, exactly. I figure if I get it, I'm, my chances aren't all that good. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I'm not touring. I suspended touring at the end at the first of March was my last show. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to go out again until it's safe. And there's no way in knowing when that'll be. But right. uh, this pandemic is actually raging right now. And it's like we're pouring water on a grease fire. It's, uh, I know. We, we could not have done a worse job at trying to control it. <laughs> and you can, you can lay the blame for that wherever you want. But it, <laughs> it has been a pathetic attempt. It hasn't even been an attempt. Yes. And, you know, people are... People are playing gigs again, and they're and uh, they're going to restaurants, you know, and, and they're right. gathering in, in large crowds and celebrating things, and uh, and it's just and it's constantly surging up, it's spiking. So, so I'm not going anywhere. So, so therefore, I have no uh, income, and oh, might wow. not might not for another year, you know. Wow. Um, I put out a new record in July. I put out an album called Kiss of the Diamondback. And I sold a bunch of copies on my website. Um, that's the only place it's been for sale so far. It hasn't, right. um, and that that made me you know, like a little bit of money here and there. But uh, uh, but that and that's slowed down now. And so there's no big money coming. And uh, and I, I'm actually feeling lucky that I'm 69 years old and uh, um, 
I, I, I feel sorry for the musicians and songwriters that are that are like thirty or something and and they got rent to pay and you know, their <laughs> their landlords are demanding that rent and they gotta figure out a way to pay it. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm at least in a in a house I own that I'm not gonna lose and uh, it's a I call it a pretty much of an advantage. That is an advantage, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's one of those things that I've started a project for Missouri musicians called the Musical Map of Missouri, and we're doing all kinds of stuff on, on Twitter and Facebook and all kinds of things. But I definitely want to talk about, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, what is the stuff from Missouri specifically that influenced you? Anything specific? Uh, I'm you're garbling a little bit. I mean, I'm not getting everything of, of what you're saying. Okay. Um, what? Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Um, what is the influence from Missouri while we're while we're sitting there talking? You know, I just want to hear what your thoughts are about music from Missouri. <laughs> well, the first thing that springs to mind <laughs> is the skeletons for sure. Oh, oh yes. Uh, who were, you know, along with NRBQ, I think they were like America's two greatest bar bands exactly. back when they were up and running. And uh, yeah. and I was completely just blown away when I encountered those guys. And uh, Lou Whitney was a force of nature. And yes, he and sure was. Donnie Thompson is one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. And, and Bobby <laughs> Lloyd Hicks was amazing. Right. And unfortunately, a bunch of them or a couple of them are gone now. Yeah. Uh, Joe Terry was really, really great, and those guys were also nice. Uh, that's that's what I think of when I think of <laughs> Missouri. That's a wonderful answer, by the way. You know, and definitely Lou was involved in Slewfoot, and so I'm a big fan of his on every level. He's such a good guy. Such yeah. A and, you know, so then I guess my next question is, What's next for you after the pandemic is over? Well, um, I somehow have been able to continue writing throughout this thing. Oh, good. And since April, I think I've written 16 songs. Wow. And so I, and I had a bunch of songs before that point. So uh, I recorded this new album, Kiss of the Diamondback, in uh, February, March, and April. And then when I finished that, um, called it done and got it pressed up and ready to go out, I had more songs already written, so I kept recording them. And so I have the next album finished. Wow. Titled. It's, it'll be, I think it'll be called um, The Titan of, of the Screws. And so okay. that one is done. I don't have a cover for it yet, but it's, it's finished and sequenced. And then I kept writing songs, and so I've been recording ever since. It's uh, It's been the only thing that takes my mind off of current events, which can right. be depressing sometimes. Exactly. Um, and so I have nine songs finished for the album after that one. Wow. And and I'm still writing, so I, I have six more to start cutting. And, um, you know, with the, with the pandemic um, and, and all bets being off, there are no rules anymore. I could... You know, I exactly. release an album every two years, you know, and I thought that anything faster than that was uh, doing myself a disservice. But right. um, I can release 
tightening of the screws anytime I want if people are interested, wow. you know. And uh, it's just sitting there, and I I'm, I love it, and I'm anxious for people to hear it. Um, so I'm not sure what the plan is. I'm kind of flying blind here, um, just fumbling in the dark, trying to uh, figure out this new digital age. Right. Uh, I, I what I need is a 19 year old guru, but I <laughs> I, don't, I don't have kids. I don't have anybody like that to help me. Right. Uh, but I have been able to keep writing songs and I have a studio in my house. So, uh, I just keep recording and I, I'm recording today and I'll be recording when we're done here. And, and it's, it's just what I do for the, for the time being. That's a lot of fun though. That makes for, you know, getting to keep the art going. And so I'm glad to hear from you and so glad to have had the conversation. Now, where do they find this new album? Uh, Kiss of the Diamondback is only available at my website at this point. Um, okay. I, I figured out how to make some digital downloads of it, so uh, it is right. available as a download. Uh, but you have to um, email me at my website um, or at or more like that gmail dot com. Right. Um, and and then I'll I'll explain the, what's involved in ordering. Uh, but it's pretty simple. Yes, well, that sounds wonderful, and I sure hope to help you out. But I'm sure enjoyed getting to talk to you today. Thank yeah, this is great, and yes, it's, it's good, good to hear your voice, Dale. <laughs> well, the same here. So I'm glad to I'm glad to have a voice after those strokes. So yes, I'm very glad and having the best pandemic ever. So all right, take it to bank. All right, talk to you later. Thank you. Man. All right. Bye, Dale. DaleWileyShow.com.